listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the live Saturday morning Sun Solar Panel. I really appreciate everyone joining us. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll get a couple of minutes to get in here with some of you early birds. You're always there for us, and I really, really appreciate that. Uh, what I've got today is my partner, Zona Hoop. How you doing, Zona? Doing well. Uh, best team in the NBA, 5 no road trip. You know, this team just won't slow down. Just getting better in the clutch somehow uh, every game. So it's been it's been really fun to watch. And a special guest for us that uh, is a, is an infrequent but always much appreciated contributor, Cody Hunt. How you doing, Cody? Not too bad, Dave. How about you? I'm doing great. Um, if for those who don't know me, why are you on this show if you don't know me? But hey, uh, my name is Dave King, and thank you for joining us for another edition of the Sun Solar Panel. Uh, we have got a big show for you today. We've been talking about trades a lot for the past couple of weeks, um, but we today we're going to focus on all-star voting. Now, today is the last day you can vote for all-star starters. January 22nd, today. Do your, do your voting. Go to NBA.com. Go to the, the Twitter sphere and do your hashtags and all that. Get the votes in for anybody you want on the Suns in the all-star game. Last we saw, Devin Booker and Chris Paul are uh, fifth and seventh in the voting and then on for guards in the West. And then DeAndre Eden is 10th in the voting for front court in the West. There's still a small chance if we do a big, huge push today to get those guys in the All-Star game. How many people could make the, uh, the All-Star game this year? How many Suns fans could? We'll talk about that. Or Suns fans. How many Suns who are employed by the team could be there on all-star weekend on the court <clears throat> either for the weekend for the for the for uh one of the competitions on the weekend or in the game we'll talk about that uh but first we are going to and then we're also going to have a cody's corner section uh cody is great with the trivia i love absolutely love it so he's going to be making uh zona and i look uh like we don't know what we're talking about which is true because we don't know what we're talking about unless we write it down in advance so i'm, I'm looking forward to that but first, we're going to recap the past week. Um, so recapping the past week, I predicted that the Suns would only go 2-1 and one this past week. So I'm going to take the L on that one. I'm going to take the L right now, and that's totally fine. I thought the Suns might lose on the second of a back-to-back against Pops Spurs. Uh, but that didn't happen at all, man. This Suns team is a juggernaut. They were 3-0 and with wins over the Pistons, Spurs, and Mavs. Cody, what's your biggest takeaway from this week? of games, those wins? Honestly, I think it's my trust in this team. I remember watching the Mavericks game two nights ago, and, you know, the Suns were down eight points, ten points, most of the game. And I just remember thinking, they get this kind of close halfway through the fourth quarter, then there's no way we lose. (laughs) It, they, they got it to what, like within three, six minutes to go, I think, is what it was. And at that point, I was 100% confident this team's going to win. I We are just absolutely incredible in the clutch. Chris Paul and Devin Booker will execute. Uh, you know, Luca's probably going to do something, have some turnovers or something, and we're going to win. It was just complete confidence. So I don't remember ever feeling that way about any Suns team in the past. How about you, Zona? 
Yeah, uh, I think Cody hit it on the head. Just their ability to turn it up on both sides of the floor, too. It's like not just on offense down in the clutch, but their defense like gets taken to another level. So just seeing them, that's something like the seven second or less Suns teams never had where, you know, they can go get like four or five stops in a row. They can make adjustments and, and really suffocate you. So I think that combination is what makes them just, you know, they are who we thought they were. They're just ready for playoff basketball. Uh, they don't really have anything left to prove in the regular season at this point. I mean, they're uh, in the clutch. They're 15 and three. Booker shooting like six, was it, 62% uh, in the clutch. And Chris Paul is the highest net rating in the clutch. So it's just having two closers like that and just a team defense that can turn it up like that is just, it's just a tough team to beat. Yeah, man. When the, <laughs> when the Mavericks went up seven with seven minutes left, 95 to 88. I was just, I still was not worried at all. I was frustrated by the Suns not getting offensive, uh, getting defensive rebounds and giving up second and third chance points to the Mavs. I mean, I can't believe they have, they had four different possessions where they made a three after an offensive rebound. And that was just driving me up the wall as it was. I'm sure Monty Williams and all that too. But when they went up, the Mavericks went up seven. And then um, I, I believe on the very next player or very soon after Jay Crowder made a three and he ran down the court with the finger on his, on his, on his mouth, just going sh- shushing the crowd and just kind of saying, sit down, sit down. As he ran back down the other end, I just knew it was happening. I knew the turnaround was happening. The takeover was happening and it did. Uh, that was, that was, that was great, but I didn't really learn that myself this week. Obviously the sun's been great in the clutch since last year. They're 15 and three in the clutch this year, their last 25 clutch games last year, there were 20 and five. So, I mean, they're pretty dark. We, we know this, what, what I learned this week is that they, even in the dog days of the season, in the middle of the season, you're not close enough to the playoffs to be thinking that yet. You're far enough away from the beginning of the season to be setting your expectations and your and your and and your goals and all that. You're losing players for, to injury right now and COVID in this case, and they're still focused on every single play. They did not lose that Spurs game. Any almost any Suns team in the past, even the seven seconds or less, even the '93 Suns, all those they would have lo- they would have lost one of these games this week because they would have after they won on Sunday afternoon. Uh, with that rescheduled game against the Pacers, they, I really thought that was an earmark game for them to lose, and they still found a way to win. That's what I learned again from this Suns because they they don't let up, they don't give away games. Um, the Suns have are are thirty four and six in their last forty games after that slow start to the season where they were finding their legs because Monty Williams did not have them actually get in shape during training camp. He was trying to give them training camp as a warm as a like an LA fitness weekend ramp up uh, because he didn't want to wear those guys out because he knew he needed them again this next this next spring and summer. So I'm I'm a that's what I learned. I also learned that I cannot possibly and I'm gonna Fabio in the chat says kind of funny how Luca's neck was okay until the Mavs lost the lead. Um, what I learned in this game is that I do not have any faith in whether Luka Doncic is really hurt or not. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sure he got hurt. I'm sure he got a stinger. Well, you know what? I don't have any, I don't feel bad for him because you know what? Lakers fans don't feel bad for Chris Paul when he couldn't move his arm 
in the playoffs last year. They're still talking about how the AD went down in game four when Chris Paul went down in game one for the Suns. And, and that's the only reason the Lakers took the three, one or two, one lead. But Luca, when he starts wincing, it's always after something went wrong for him. If you watch any game with Luca, and this is me just making things up in my head, I think I'm sure. But whenever he has a bad play or a series of bad plays, he starts limping going down the court until he's got the ball in his hands again. Then he plays even Reggie Miller, who was all over how much he loved Luca, was saying he feels fine on the offensive end. Even Reggie Miller couldn't contain himself. <laughs> I will admit that Luca was not taking shots. I will say that he wasn't feeling fine on the offensive end. But you know what? Suns players have played through that, played through stingers. DeAndre Ayton had a had a uh, three minute series where he couldn't lift his arm, but he found a way to get rebounds and score. And uh, last year, in one of the games, he got a stinger. And then, of course, he had Chris Paul. So I, I just don't have any faith in Luca actually being hurt at any time. He thinks he's hurt because he never goes on the injury. Now he has gone on the injured list this year, but not in Suns games where he pretends he's hurt. That's that's my takeaway. Cody, do you are are you in the same boat, or do you really think Luca's getting hurt in these games? I mean, he's in the same category as LeBron where he's going to ham up any – I mean, I'm sure there's some, something hurting, hurting him a little bit, but he's going to ham it up. He's going to make sure everybody knows that, uh, that this minor thing is, is something that's happening to him. And, you know, it's a strategy. It helps him get to the line more often. I, I'm not going to blame him for it, but I'm with you. Like until I actually see his name on the, on the injury report that he's out, you know, there's not much sense in – and, you know, I'm not going to feel any sympathy for him for all these faces he's making. Yeah, right, he definitely exactly. knows that the cameras are following him everywhere he goes. So uh, that's for sure. But can we talk about that Devin Booker block? Like, I mean, it doesn't count as a block technically, but that just wow. that embodies just the turnaround. I think he's made the past few years on defense just totally bought in. Uh, that was a hell of a play and uh, a great challenge by Monty. Even the announcers didn't get that right because they they were focusing on on the block. Which it did in real we time. We were it saying did, it kind of did look like a foul. I could see why they would think that in real time, but then he slowed it down. And Reggie's like, "Oh, oh no, I was wrong." Yeah, he was. But then they were just focusing on the block part when I was yeah. sitting at home, and most of us were sitting at home going, "Also, you got the offensive foul." And yeah, then exactly. all of a sudden, the Suns had arm. the ball instead of a jump ball because if it was ruled a block in the ball. in the in the coach's review, it would have been a jump ball. So obviously, yes, it came down to being an offensive foul. So at least the refs got that right after the, after the review. So I, I am, uh, I do appreciate that. But man, did I learn anything new this week? No, but it really did reinforce what I thought I knew about this Suns team. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go on a nice run here. Um, they've been on a nice run all season. They have the best record in the NBA by three games. Uh, they, are only team with less than 13 losses and they only have nine out of 30 teams. So man, this is just, it's been an incredible run. Um, they finished that trip five and oh, Monty Williams called it a great trip, not a good trip. And, uh, they now have, uh, yes, like I said, uh, uh, the best record in the NBA by three games. Let's talk about book Zona. What do you, what do you, Give some, give us some uh, feedback on what do you think Booker's been doing the last few games? I mean, I called it last show just, and it's, it's not, I'm not t trying to take credit for it. Like every Suns fan knows whenever he gets in these zones, it happens for, you know, two to three weeks where he's just, you know, it just seems like he can't miss. And uh, we kind of saw that coming 
and building up heading into this the Spurs game, and it just carried right over. So um, he was he was pretty upset about not getting the the fifty. He had a couple of good shots at the end there, but mm-hmm. yeah, whenever he enters this mode, it's just like when the three point shots falling, the mid range is going, and he's attacking the rim. He's like the I would say probably the best three level scorer in the league, uh, just because of how good he is in the mid range and the tough shot making. So uh, it's just. You know, we kind of take it for granted at this point, just how easy he gets buckets. And it's just been really fun to watch him go on this surge. Cody, you know, comments on Booker? <laughs> yeah, the last week, I feel like he's been reverting a little bit back to his uh, the Booker we've known over the last couple of years as far as uh, assassin from the mid range with a questionable three point shot. You know, the three point shot has been. Uh, a revelation this year for him that he's been able to be so consistent with it. He was over 40% for most of the year. And uh, after the last week or so, he's not shot it quite as well. And he's down to 39 something as well um, currently, but the mid range has come back. The mid range, which had left him for a lot of the early part of the season has come back. So what I'm looking for is at some point, is he going to put it all together where the three's falling, the mid range is falling, he's getting to the rim, and we could see a guy averaging, you know, 28%, 28 points per game on 65% true shooting. I really think he could put, him, put it all together. So if he, can, if he can make that happen going into the playoffs, that would just be awesome. Yeah, man. The, uh, the Zona and I just talked about it last week on the show. One of our true falses is, was can Devin Booker put both parts together? Like, can he hit the mid-rangers and the threes for a stretch of time or for the rest of his career at some point? And you're right, Cody. When he started making his middies again, uh, his threes fell off a little bit back to back to last year's level. Um, what's What is also interesting is that Booker's takeoff seems to have coincided with Eddie Johnson saying he's not the same player anymore. Eddie, Eddie was trying to compliment Booker, first of all, and he was mm-hmm. not putting Booker down. He's trying to compliment Booker, saying he's become a more complete player, less focused on being the only scorer. The Suns are one of the few teams in the NBA with seven players with 10-plus points per game average. Um, the Suns set record. They have a, uh, I think they're the only team in a long time to do back-to-back games with eight players with 10-plus points in a game. They're very egalitarian on scoring. And yet, and Booker has been not doing those big scoring games. So Eddie said he's not a 40-point game guy anymore. He just isn't. And immediately Booker goes out and, <laughs> and starts kicking butt on scoring and taking over. And I think they even had an exchange. It was either on a post game where um, they get they get on with Eddie and on the Bally Sports or or it was in Twitter. I can't remember which, but they were joking about that. That um, Eddie was like, I wasn't saying you couldn't. I was just saying you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the uh, um, Aiden, Aiden has been out again. What's disappointing to me is that until like in late December, Aiden was back and he was playing really well. And we'll talk about this with the All Star voting segment in a little bit. But he was getting some love on the on the um, on the um, Dunker Spot podcast with Nikias Duncan and uh, Steve Jones Jr. They both had Aiden as either the last in or the first alternate, like the first out of, of the West front court players, which is good news for Aiden because Devin Booker was the first out amongst West guards last two years. And he got injury replaced, you know, placement named. So Aiden could have made the all-star game, but now he's out again. And it's like, people are forgetting that he exists because the last time I saw some 
uh, last couple of all-star prediction uh, podcasts or articles this week doesn't mention him as an, as a, you know, a potential on the end there. So, um, but it's, it is still possible Aiden could, but he's got to come back and play before everybody does the rest of their voting. Do you guys think, um, have you guys heard anything or seen anything that makes you think that Aiden will be back in the next couple of games so that he can show before voting for the all-star zona? Yeah, I think they're probably not too focused on that. You know, you have to look big picture with injuries like this and they're probably going to wait till he's 110% ready to go. Uh, like foot injuries with big guys you don't want to mess with. So um, I do agree he probably needs to come back soon for him to get back in that conversation because, you know, he had the previous injury, missed some time to COVID after that, and then now this. So he's getting to that territory where it's going to be tough in terms of games played. Um, but, yeah, I don't think he's going to, to try to rush back just for that. But uh, ultimately, if, if Monty's the head coach and there's a couple injury replacements, then I could definitely see him, you know, getting that recognition just – you know, for the Suns having the best record in the league. Cody, I have a question for you. Sawbucks here in the chat says, Suns winning without Aiton lowers his contract value. What's your thoughts on that? You know, the Suns can win games in the regular season against the Spurs and the Pacers without Aiton just fine. And And something that a lot of people like to say is some version of, you know, would you rather have Aiton at a max or a guy that gives you 80% of what Aiton does at, you know, a mid-level exception or something? Yeah. People say stuff like that all the time. And where you really see that extra 20% matters in the playoffs. So, you know, the fact that Aiton can switch onto perimeter players and not get killed on defense, the fact that Aiton is much better at punishing uh, smaller players, you know, on seals when, when he gets a little guy and he can just throw up that little hook – um, that really matters, I think, more in the playoffs than it does in the regular season. We'll get by just fine with them out right now, but yet, uh, no, I don't think it lowers his contract value. I think that his unique skill set really shows how important it is in the playoffs, and and I don't think McGee or Biombo or Jalen Smith or any of those guys can replicate what he does in the playoffs. I don't even think those guys would – themselves say that they could replicate what he does in the playoffs. None of them would say, yeah, I could do just as well as DeAndre Ayton in a playoff setting because JaVale McGee, when he's really trying, he gets two fouls in the first five minutes. That's just his career. That's why he's a career backup. Biombo, uh, look, uh, Chris Paul can make him look good offensively uh, on, on finishes and dunks, but you know what? All it takes is a defense to know what his drive is, which is lefty, you know, the, to the left of the rim and finishing that way. Um, to be able to stop. Otherwise, he'd have a career average of more than five, point, five <laughs> points per game. Um, and then, uh, obviously, you know, Jalen Smith is just a little bit too skinny for the position. So you're right. The last 20%, Cody, that's what makes it. That's like that's like saying um, the, the argument that the Suns winning, they're 12-3 and three without Aiden. Um, the Suns winning without Aiden uh, makes his contract value less. Does that mean we should take money away from Clay, prime Clay Thompson? because the Golden State Warriors had the best record in the NBA without him this year, and they've been worse with him since he's come back? No, because Klay Thompson makes the Warriors more sustainable in the playoffs than Jordan Poole does. What would the Warriors rather have? Klay Thompson shooting or Andrew Wiggins or Jordan Poole? Klay Thompson. You just need the, the good Klay Thompson. He's, he's missing a lot of his shots because he's coming back right now. You need DA to win the championship. That's just the way it is, and you're going to have to pay. Um, all right, so we talked about DA a little bit. JJ Reddick said that um, 
Um, uh, Zona, you put this in our show notes. I'm going to let you take this segment. JJ Redick is ESPN's last hope. Go. <laughs> he really is. I mean, there's no one that it's, it just sounds bad that actually watches basketball, like all 30 teams. And you could tell he does and he puts the work in uh, and he's not just a hot take machine. And the thing with watching basketball is you could still have hot takes and they could just be right. You know, it, mm-hmm. like groundbreaking news. Uh, Kendrick, <laughs> Kendrick, tell Kendrick Perkins that. But uh, yeah, I think JJ has been an awesome addition and he's really shown the sun some love and it's, it's not just like it's fake love. It's like you could tell he actually watches the team. And, you know, they had Mikel Bridges on on his podcast too earlier in the year. That was a really awesome listen. So I recommend checking that out. But, but yeah, there's not too many people over at that network that uh, watch the Suns and, and talk about them. But he's one of them. And uh, he also trashed the Lakers and kind of put them in, in, in check, uh, a little reality check. So that, that was a fun segment too. Um, yeah, there's like I said, there's just not too many people that cover – basketball they're just more about interested in stories and mascots and stuff like that have you listened to anything that jj reddick's been saying uh cody yeah i mean i'm gonna be completely honest i have not watched an espn show in a very long time (laughs) like (laughs) so i see these clips on twitter that come across and and i occasionally click on them and and yeah jj reddick clearly knows what he's talking about he he you know calls a spade a spade when he sees the lakers these are not this isn't a championship team when he sees the suns this is the favorite this is the team that has played the best out of any team clearly and and you can tell he's actually watching the games you know there's just so many uh so many weight so many great uh places that you can get actual good analysis of nba basketball and and espn isn't it honestly there's so many great podcasts So many great, you know, writers you know and the, blogs out there. The saddest thing about ESPN this year than last year is Zach Lowe has been appropriated into the Borg. I mean, I can't look. Maybe I, obviously I'm biased. I'm a Suns fan, right? But I can't believe how much he talks about the the biggest markets and on his podcast. I mean, he can't stop talking about the Lakers even now. How can anyone have come into this season thinking the Lakers had made good moves in the offseason and Zach Lowe was one of the guys who said, I think that's a championship roster. I'm like, Zach, what happened? So, yeah, I've been disappointed with the ESPN guys. Um, I love Bobby Marks, by the way. Big, big friend of the show. I would have him on, uh, but ESPN's been shut down on non-ESPN um, appearances since uh, one of their one of their folks had a very uh, uh, questionable appearance on on someone's show. I can't remember the exact details, but ever since then, ESPN has said none of our personalities can speak uh, out of their out of their minds off our show, off our networks again. So poor Bobby, I feel bad for him because he loves being on this show, and I love having him. But anyway, <clears throat> one last comment on DA and can the Sun just because the Suns win without him, he's uh, he's worth less money. The Suns are five and two without Devin Booker. Five and one when DA plays without Devin Booker. Does that mean Devin Booker should have less money? Uh, and they were two and zero oh in the Western Conference Finals without Chris Paul. Does that mean Chris Paul's worth less money? No, yeah, like, that I means mean, the Suns are a good freaking team and they can absorb losses. Go ahead, Zona. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say like this is just a really good team and they could be down one or two guys like Chris Paul missed two games in the playoffs and they won both of them. So yeah. I think it's just speaks to the team. And if you try to look too much into like small sample sizes in a regular season and you, you play a armchair GM, you're going to get too cute. And 
you know, I think the Suns are in a great position right now and they just need to, you know, pay DeAndre this soft season and hopefully pay Cam Johnson and keep this core yeah. intact and, and go from there. Hey, let's take just a quick second to talk about our friends at DraftKings. The NFL players are here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team winning their game. Bet just $5 and you win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes also with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TB. PN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You got to be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or PA. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer, restrictions apply. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, that's great for that. That's the first segment. Let's now move into Cody's segment. This is Cody's Corner. I love this segment. Uh, let's. I'll let you take it away, man. Go right ahead. All right. Thank you, Dave, for uh, <coughs> letting me have this little segment here. Um, anyone that knows me knows that I love uh, stats. I love trivia. I love history, and uh, I often use my Twitter account to uh, just post little trivia things, obscure stats that I find. And I hope that other people enjoy guessing on these things. So uh, as I try to stump Dave and Zona here, please, everybody in the chat, uh, also throw in your guesses. Um, today, uh, you know, I think you'll have a pretty decent odds, at least, of, of even lucking into a guess because all of the answers to today's trivia questions are going to be current Suns players. That means you got about a one in, uh, I don't know how many guys are on the roster now, one in 15, (laughs) except uh, I did not include, I'll tell you now, none of the answers to these are any of the guys on 10 day contracts or so there's no Paris Bass. There's no, you know, nothing like that. Is there any two ways? Is there no, no, no two ways? No, no 10 days. No ish here. Guys on the full roster. Um, I looked up just five interesting stats that I, that I found to be, you know, intriguing to me in one way or another. And uh, all of the answers are our current Suns players. So I'm going to go ahead and get started and uh, see how you guys do. First question, which pair of Suns players who have logged at least 500 minutes together have the highest net rating as a duo? So we're looking at pairs of players, duos that have played at least 500 minutes together. Which two players have the highest net rating together on the Suns? Zona, why don't you go first? Oof. Um, it's tough. Let's say uh, JaVale McGee and Mikel Bridges. I'm just going to go weird. Good guess, but no. Dave? All right, so let's just do a little bit of math. 500 minutes, they've played 45, 44 games, so that's over 10 minutes a game sharing the court. So obviously it's not going to be guys toward the end of the bench. Nope. Um, so... I'm guessing it's going to be starters because starters actually spend less time together than you'd think. They start games and end games, but then the rest of it is mix and match. Um, I still think it's Jay, but I'm going to go. I'll, I'll say Jay and Book. How about Jay and Book? Good guess, but no. 
the best duo in net rating for 500 minutes or more. And by the way, you're wondering how many duos there are that have logged about 500. There's about, there's a good number. There's about 15 to 20 of them that have logged oh. um, 500 together. But the number one is the twins, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. Those nice. two on the Mikhail court Cam. together. Mikhail and Cam. Hey, uh, Rick Johnson got it. Rick Johnson, Rick Johnson in the chat. Um, actually, Sawbucks got it as well. And let's see, Mikel and Cam. Uh, let's see, you got Eric Ramirez. Good job, you guys. You guys did better than Zona and I. <laughs> so the, they have a plus 12 net rating when they short share the court, court together. And it's interesting because, <clears throat> you know, if, if the Suns are able to retain Cam Johnson this year, um, you know, he's going to have his contract extension eligible this summer. Mm -hmm. That could be the future forward position of the Phoenix Suns, Mikhail and Cam. Um, so the fact that they play so well together is huge. They're a plus 12. Number two is Chris Paul and Jay Crowder at plus 10.8. Then Booker and Bridges plus 10.5. Paul and Booker's plus 10.5. And Paul and Bridges plus 9.5. So That's pretty much great. combinations of Booker, Paul, Bridges, and and Crowder for the most part. But then the, the number one had Cam Johnson in Hey, quick, um, <clears throat> quick aside on Cam Johnson. I remember when he had been drafted and I was talking to, he hadn't played for the Suns yet. And that was in between the wow uh, moment from Kobe White, who is actually not as good a player as Cam Johnson anymore. Um, in between that and uh, Cam showing his uh, playing for the first time, I talked, I was talking to a Suns employee, totally not related to operations on the, on the basketball side, but there's a lot of chatter when they when they have drafts and, and and the chatter around the arena the summer before Cam Johnson ever picked up a basketball for the Suns was that they thought he could be a future power forward in their scheme, right? Their scheme has a smaller power forward. Their scheme is perfect for a Jay, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson. So not that they thought he would grow into a 240-pound monster, but that he would be perfect in their scheme, and it, it turns out he is. And that's the that's the forward combination they were starting in the bubble as well when they went eight and zero. That was Bridges and Cam, so that's we know right. it works. <laughs> All right, question number two: Who currently leads the Suns in fourth quarter minutes per game? Dave, why don't you take this one first? Fourth quarter minutes per game. Who's the Suns' leader? You know what? You're gonna you're gonna pull something out like campaign campaign, but I'm gonna say because he takes so many shots, but I'm gonna say. I'm going to say Chris Paul. Um, I'm going to go with Jay Crowder. We have our first uh, correct answer among our podcast uh, hosts here. So it is actually Chris Paul. To, much to my chagrin, this has been something that has been annoying me all season long. <laughs> that Mon that, And you know that it's Chris Paul lobbying to Monty and in his ear constantly that he needs to be playing more. But so often you see Chris Paul playing – you know, even when the Suns are up 15 points yeah. in the fourth quarter, which annoys me, he's averaging oh, 8.7 fourth quarter minutes per game, which leads the team. So it's interesting. Uh, let me let me talk about that just for a second, because I've had similar observation that it it doesn't matter what the score is at any point in the game. Chris Paul is going to take about roughly two shots in the first half if he can possibly do it play his normal minutes beginning and, you know, middle end. <clears throat> and then the second half, he's going to 
He's only going to turn it up in the third quarter if he feels like there's a big run that the other team made. He's got to do something. But otherwise, he always gets his fourth quarter minutes. He always plays his most minutes in a quarter in the fourth quarter. And it doesn't matter what the score is. And And what I really think is, dude's 37 years old. They're trying to condition his body to be fresh for the fourth quarter, however it takes. It doesn't matter at any point. They're going to need Chris Paul in the playoffs fresh in the fourth quarter for the entire series, you know, the entire playoffs. So I think that's what they're doing. Monty's been doing a lot of things. Monty Williams and the team have been doing a lot of things to try to prepare themselves for the playoffs this year. They're they're forcing, not forcing, but they're allowing other guys. Like Chris Paul's taking a the fewest shots he's taken in 10 years, I think the last time I looked, um, per game. Devin Booker until this last recent stretch where Eddie, Mur- Eddie, Eddie Murphy, Eddie Johnson called him out, um, has been taking uh, fewer shots he's been touching the ball fewer than he has since he was a rookie a fewer times a game um, because they're trying to get everybody else ready to take big shots in the playoffs because in the playoffs what did it come down to if booker and they were so used to booker and paul making all the shots if the defense was so good that they stopped booker and paul who else could score nobody else was quite ready this year they're going to be more ready all right that's my rant (laughs) got anything zona you want to go to the next one uh, yeah, to kind of add to that, it just kind of reminds me of like late career Steve Nash in terms of like shot to like getting others involved distributions. And, you know, at times it's kind of frustrating. You're just like, shoot the ball, please. But you kind of see that he's they have big picture in mind and they need to get these other guys, these reps. So, yeah, like Dave said, he'll have like two points at halftime with like eight assists. And then, you know, the other team will start talking or a fan will start talking and then he'll kind of turn it up a notch. And it's just really fun to watch. Yeah. So there we go. Chris Paul leading the Suns with 8.7 fourth quarter minutes per game. Question number three, who has the highest shooting percentage on long twos on the Suns? Now, long twos, I'm getting this from basketball reference, defined as 16 feet to the three-point line. So who's shooting the highest percentage in that range, 16 feet to the three-point line on the Suns this year? Zona, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with Devin Booker because when his foot's on the line, it seems like it always goes in. So that's that's my guess. <laughs> that was going to be my first one, too. <laughs> he even joked about it once, didn't he, uh, Zona? When he, in yeah. one of the post-game pressers, he's like, I, I guess I'm hit, sh- I'm shooting a 1,000 on, on foot on the line. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> who's best on long twos? I'm going to say, shoot. I'm going to say Chris Paul. I'll just be different. It's probably Booker. You know, you two guessed the number two and the number three. Chris Paul is number two in this. Devin Booker is number three on this. And I was very surprised by number one. Shooting 53.3% on long twos this year is Cameron Payne. Hmm. Cameron Payne is shooting 53% on long twos. How many is he taking? He's taking about four? (sighs) What's the volume? It's it's not a big volume, but it is something that I've noticed that he's really added that in-between game that he didn't really have last year. Um, where he can kind of pull up on these little middies that he never used to do before. Yeah, It used to just be he either is going to sprint to the basket and throw up a little flip shot, or he's going to pull up from three. But now he kind of has that, that third level of scoring, which I think has helped him a little bit this year. I had a That's preseason um, interview with uh, Cam Payne on Media Day, and <clears throat> we talked about that, that he, um, he basically scouted himself over the summer. He said by the end of the playoffs – 
they had totally timed his drives, right? Brooke Lopez and Giannis were blocking almost every layup attempt mm-hmm. in the finals and, and, and teams before that in the playoffs as well. So he's like, I got to bring my floater back. Um, he said he came into the league with a floater, and then that was coached out of him because A, he wasn't making them all, and B, the game was all you know layups and threes, so he changed his game. So he said he's got to bring the floater back, and he's been working really hard on that, and I think the Suns are encouraging that too because, again, when teams can take away your best shots, you've got to be able to have another option. And and to hit to his own frustrating frustrated detriment, um, he's been trying shots other than the drive to the hoop, and uh, to hopefully he'll get it all worked out um, because I kind of want him just to go back to his old game and forget <laughs> those middies. But if he's making pretty good uh, rate of them, that's that's a good sign. On both those and the ten to so in the ten to sixteen range, he's shooting fifty two percent, and in the sixteen to the three point line, fifty three percent. So the, he's making both at a very good rate, Man. although he's not taking a lot of them yet. That is wild. That, that, that would have been one of my last guesses, to be <laughs> honest. Um, especially looking at like how poor he shot from that range last year and in previous seasons. Uh, so yeah, to Dave's point, just how teams in the playoffs kind of scouted him for really yeah. the first time, and like he had to adjust, and that's kind of the beauty of like being in a playoff uh, setting. And I think it's going to benefit all the, the young Suns players just because now they know what to expect on, on the scouting report and how to make counters. So uh, just seeing that, you know, come to, to fruition for him so fast, even if it's not the hugest sample size, uh, that, that's awesome. Not one person got that right in the chat that's participating <laughs> and commenting and, and the other of us. So good one, Cody. And, good I one, knew Noah was going to get that one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Number four. This Suns player has attempted at at least 100 three-pointers and 100% of his three-pointers have been assisted. So among the players that have taken at least 100 threes this year, only one of them have every single one of their three-point makes been assisted. They don't have any unassisted threes. Who is that player? Why don't you go first, Dave? See, I'm I'm playing out the year in my head. And um, I've seen Mikel do a sidestep. Does that still count as assisted if you do a one step to the side and let it, I guess it's as long as you don't take two steps, right? Or two dribbles. So maybe that counts as assisted. I've, um, I'm going to go with Cam Johnson. I'm going to say Cam Johnson. Yeah, that's, that's tough. I think it's going to be one of uh, either the twins or Shamit. Um <sighs> Jay in the chat. Yeah. Jay, Jay could be it, but he does some everyone saw he does his pull up threes in transition. So but those are assisted too. So uh, I'm gonna go Shamit. Dave, you were right. It's it Mikkel, is Cam huh? Johnson. Yeah. No, it's oh, Cam, Cam Johnson. Was Cam. You said Cam. Cam. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so uh you know, Mikhail Bridges, I'm looking at the stats, ninety-six percent assisted. Jay Crowder, 95% assisted. Landry <laughs> Shamit, 93% assisted. So, yes, those were all good guesses, but all of them have had at least one unassisted three. Cam does not have that yet. All assisted. Wow. Oh, man, he's been stroking this year, too. He is just yeah. – he's he is on fire. That's why I'm hoping he's going to make the All-Star weekend anyway. All right. Yeah, he, he absolutely deserves to be there in the three-point contest. Who knows if uh, if enough national people are – paying close enough attention. Do we know who makes those invites to the three-point competition? So 
last year they limited it to six and due to like COVID, trying to like limit the you know contact tracing and all that they only had all-stars That's participate right. last That's year right. but this last this year that could be different hopefully they get back up to eight and not all not all stars are invited um and if they are i think yeah cam has to be there he's he's been too good not to and on high volume and efficiency so uh i would love to see him in the three-point shootout yeah. and speaking of the kind of off topic off topic booker always gets pegged as a, a three-point competition guy which is great because his practice three-point shot has always been great but i would like to see booker in the skills competition I think people don't Ooh. think about him as a, you know, passing all around game kind of guy. And I think that'd be a great one for him. You want to hear something funny uh, that just occurred to me. So it's, it's entirely possible that this is wrong, but CP three has done the skills competition a few times. And last year he did it. Uh, and, and it was the time he had done it since he was like in his mid twenties. And I think in both competitions, one of the reasons he lost is that he missed the layup portion, mm -hmm. the first layup. And if you guys have seen, the last thing Chris Paul wants to do on a basketball court is shoot a layup. And he always tries to float it over the rim instead of do off the backboard. Um, so that's just funny because I, I, he had lost the skills competition when he was in his early 20s off a layup because that cost him a second on, on the uh, couple seconds on the competition. And he did it again last year at All-Star Weekend. So I do hope, yeah, that'd be great seeing Book in that skills competition. I would love that. All right. Back on track for the last question. And this is also uh, an interesting one. Which player on the Suns has the lowest foul percentage? So this is the player who commits the lowest percentage of the team's fouls while on the court. And we're only including players uh, on the, on the full roster. No, no, <laughs> no Chandler Hutchison, no two ways, anything like that. Lowest foul percentage. Who do you want going first? Uh, you go first, Dave. Lowest foul percentage. Well, it's definitely not my first, you know, someone's first instinct might be Landry Shamit, but he fouls like crazy. Um, that's not uh, lowest foul percentage. Um, I'll go with Cam Johnson again. Yeah, that's that's probably. That was going to be my guess, but I might go. Is uh, Frank Kaminsky eligible for this? He's eligible, yes. All right, that'll, that'll be my guess. I was very surprised by this answer. The correct answer for lowest foul percentage is actually the guy that almost always guards the toughest guy on the other team, Mikhail Bridges. Wow. Mikhail? Mikhail. Wow. Put, put that on his uh, all defense I'm doing right the there. Kobe. What? Wow. <laughs> So Mikhail Bridges fouls. Uh, he, on average, commits 14.6% of the team's fouls while on the court, uh, which the only guys ahead of that are MJ Walker and Chandler Hutchinson. We're not counting them. Uh, Landry Shamit is next at 15%. Then Cam Johnson, 15.4%. Chris Paul, 176 I was shocked when I saw this because he's – Wait, what's DA's percentage? DeAndre Ayton is pretty high. He's at 20.5, which is 11th on the team. So he commits 25, 20% of the team fouls while gotcha. on the court. The Suns as a team do not foul the other team as much no. as most. Um, DA actually has always struck me as a guy who can stay out of foul trouble. I mean, obviously, he's been able to stay out of foul trouble. But Mikel, that blows my mind. Blown. You think about it, he's the one Blown. guarding the Lucas, the Hardens, the Trey yes. Youngs, the guys that are always, you know, 
one of the other one of the other pods it might have been timeline uh said that he has the shared that he had the highest percentage one of the highest percentages in the league of defending the toughest offensive player on the other team this year he's one of these in the 90th percentile 95th somewhere around there percentile of defending the the toughest competition on the other team man that's incredible yeah that's that just speaks to how smart he is too like i mean the task he has regarding the best player fighting through like multiple screens and actions like his defense is like the game plan of other teams offense like how can we get mikhail off him or create advantages to to get mikhail off of like our star so um that's just that stat blew my mind yeah well that was cody's corner thank you guys for participating and uh, wow, I hope you learned that a was bit. great i definitely did learn a little bit that is for sure all right next segment uh next segment is our true or false segment and zona you're going to take this one you're going to ask us some some questions and obviously folks in the chat jump in all right uh number one true or false the suns will get three players in the all-star game and that includes injury replacements. We'll start with Cody here. I'm going to say false. Um, you know, obviously Booker and Paul are getting in. There's no doubt about that. Um, but the third guy, the logical assumption would be Aiton. The fact that he's got this injury right now, he had an, uh, a leg injury early in the season, and he was in health and safety protocols means he's missed a lot of games. And I think in, in this year, games missed maybe matters a little less than normal. But I think since the coaches are the ones that determine the reserves, it it's going to be hard with a lot of these co- coaches. They're going to think, okay, who have I played lately that you know was tough on us? And, and not a lot of them are going to remember, oh, yeah, eight killed us the other day. Um, I just don't see it happening. I think if he were to get in, it would be an injury replacement. But even that, I think, is a long shot. All right, Dave. Okay, so I'm going to give a little bit of background on this. I just had to clear my throat. Um, I'm going to give a little background on this. Like I said earlier, DA um, was in the conversation as a first, uh, for last in, first out conversation a month ago. And now he's no longer among media, obviously. The only thing we've been listening to is media. We've been seeing fan voting. and We've been listening to media. We haven't heard what the coaches think. And we haven't heard uh, what the players think. Okay. So we don't know. DA is not going to be a starter in the all-star game. So the only ones that matter are the coaches. The coaches pick the reserves. The coaches have to pick, have to pick three players that qualify at forward, two players that qualify at guard, and then two at any, yeah, shut up, so says Jay. Yeah. Um, and then two that qualify at any position. So at least three forward reserves have to be put in. The forward starters are likely the ones you're gonna you're thinking of. Obviously, Nikola Jokic, um, probably Rudy Gobert, and um, um, I'm drawing a blank on the third. LeBron. LeBron. Yes, thank you. <clears throat> so who else is there? You've got a lot of guys who could go, but a lot of those guys are injured. So um, the coaches, actually, from what I've heard, is that the coaches pick the players that they're most afraid of in a playoff situation if they've been in the playoffs recently the ones they have to scheme the most against in a playoff situation they don't pick about what happened last week or um, guys who are injured wouldn't get in the all-star game however the guys who injured guys who get voted 
by the coaches into the all-star games have been in, you know, healthy in years prior and been in all-star games years prior. The coaches would rather just pick the guys they've already picked in years in the, in the prior years. So Paul George is probably going to be picked, even though he's missed about as many games as DA. Um, and, um, Heck, I wouldn't be surprised if no, not Kawhi. I'm just kidding. Um, but you could you could say that you know there's other guys who've been injured on and off that will be picked, and then they'll have to back out of the game. Like Draymond Green, for example, he might get picked by the coaches. Then he's going to have to back out because he's got this disc slash calf injury, which is scary if you think about it. Um, and I don't know that he's going to be um, um, available for that All Star game, but he might get picked by the coaches. Then be injury replacements. Having said all this, there aren't that many big men, and you have to pick three minimum. Um, it might come down to DA versus like a Brandon Ingram for that last injury replacement forward. And it, that means it might end up being DA because he had such that crazy good playoffs last year. So I'm holding out hope. My hope percentage is around 20%, maybe less, though. A month ago, it was 50-plus percent. Another reason, Dave, why I think it's unlikely D.A. gets in is because currently it's looking like Andrew Wiggins is actually probably going to be a starter based on the fan vote. No, 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 no. Fans only count 50%. Media is never going to pick Andrew Wiggins, and the players are never going to pick Andrew Wiggins. But my question is... Please, God, no. (laughs) Like, if he's clear third in in that, then... You know what's the tiebreaker? If if fifty percent say let's say Gobert or Towns or someone for media and and players, and then fifty percent for Wiggins from the, I don't know what the tiebreaker is there. Well, it's yeah, it's literally the fifty percent. So um, you've got the ranking, right? So the players, and then you, they do it based on on where they rank as far as how many players voted for each individual player, how many media voted for each individual player. And then uh, the fan votes, the other 50%, we've already seen the rankings on. So um, uh, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way. I just keep saying it. Andrew Wiggins is not making the freaking all-star game unless, unless he's Draymond Green's replacement and they want to get two warriors in there. And that's, Adam Silver's choice. That's the only way he gets in, but the, he's not going to get in. Coaches are not going to put Andrew Wiggins yeah. in the All-Star game. There's no freaking way any coach is worried. It's uh, Putting him in is like putting Cam Johnson in. Yeah, you're worried that he's going to go off for a few shots, but you're not worried about him for a game plan. He's not getting in. Yeah, it would be as a starter if he got in. I'm just worried about that fan vote, so we'll see how that turns out. Oh, please. Yeah, Warriors fans have marketed him a little too well. I mean, they're voting for him over Draymond because they know Draymond's going to make it, like, through the coaches. So they're they're playing 4D chess over there. But, um, yeah, he has no business being in the All-Star game. Yeah, I'll say um, for as far as DeAndre making it, because he's a clear third option, uh, Mikel got a little bit of buzz earlier in the year, but it's kind of slowed down a little bit offensively yeah. and maybe lost that, that track that he had. But um, I'm going to go false just because of my gut. But do I think they should get three All-Stars? Yes. Like, you, they're on the pace of the 2014-2015 Hawks that were 43-11 and 11 and got four All-Stars. Uh, obviously, it's a different time, and they're in the East when it was a little bit weaker. But, you know, if the Suns are on that pace, they, they deserve, uh, I think, three reps. And I could see there being, like, three or four injury replacements. So if that's the case, then, then DeAndre, you know, his chances go up. But straight up, I don't think he's going to make it in. No, not straight up. I agree with you there. But, hey, that is a huge 
huge progress from last year, right? So Aiden is trending toward becoming one of those guys who's just going to start making the all-star game the same way Devin Booker did. All right. Um, Number two, we talked about this last week, um, so we can briefly hit on it, but true or false, Monty Williams will coach the West in the all-star game. Cody? That's definitely true. I mean, the Suns have a four-game lead in the loss column over the Warriors, three-game lead, three-and-a-half overall. This team isn't losing four games in a row. You know, we don't have that many games left before uh, before the, the deadline comes. And even if we were to suddenly lose four in a row, you know, the Warriors would have to win every game. I think this is a lock. Monty's absolutely coaching and it deserves it. Um, I'm hoping this will further his case for coach of the year, which he was robbed of last year. Um, because if you just see the way this team what I love so much about this team is that everybody buys into their roles. Everybody knows exactly what's expected. They don't whine about what needing to do more. Um, everybody does exactly what they need to, to make the team win. And that's on coaching. So I think Monty deserves to coach the all-star game. He also deserves to win coach of the year. Oh, Hey, so says Jay in the chat. Whoops. It slipped by. So says Jay in the chat says, are you guys all staying? Draymond is going to be an all-star. Yeah, and let me tell you why. Uh, Because when Draymond was playing, the Warriors, despite having only Steph Curry as their only offensive shooting option, their only consistent, I mean, uh, credit to Andrew Wiggins for actually making some open shots. But Draymond's the one who drives that offense and anchors that defense. And without him, the Warriors are, they lost to the Pacers who were not playing any of their starters. And they almost lost to the Rockets last night. They needed a step where I have never seen, by the way, the Warriors, look, they enjoy playing basketball. More power to them. I've grown to appreciate the way the Suns just take care of business. When they hit a game winner, when they do some cool stuff, they just kind of walk down the rest of the, walk back down the court, run back down the court, run off court, whatever it is. <clears throat> they don't celebrate. The Warriors, it looked like they won a championship last night when Steph made that win- game winner against the Rockets <laughs> in a January game. But, hey, they're enjoying themselves. Anyway. Yeah, they've, they've definitely come back down to earth a little bit without Draymond. So I think that just kind of shows you how important he is. Um, so... We'll, do, we'll just move on to number three now. I think we all kind of know Monty's going to be coaching the game at this point. And, you know, it'll be cool to see him coach uh, Paul and Booker and, and hopefully eight. And we'll see how uh, the minute distribution goes with all that. But uh, so number three, speaking of those two, the Suns will, true or false, the Suns will get a starter in the All-Star game. We'll start with Dave this time. Oh, no, I don't see it happening. Um, I think John Morant is going to make the the starting lineup in the All-Star game uh, next to Steph. And everyone's just going to love it. Um, Everyone outside of Phoenix anyway. Booker should start, but the starters are determined by fan votes and Booker doesn't have enough. Um, So it's going to it's going to go up. He won't be a starter unless and and uh, I mean, I'm not hoping for anybody's injuries in that starting lineup. So, no. Cody? No, the Suns aren't getting any starters, and, you know, we accept it. It's It may not be fair, but Tom um, Morant's a great player, and he's the perfect kind of player for an all-star t- uh, game. He has those incredible dunks, you know, 
I'm not going to be mad about John Morant. Uh, although, <clears throat> if we're being completely honest, Devin Booker's been just as good of a player. Uh, he has just as good of an MVP case. I've seen John Morant in some MVP conversations, and I think Devin Booker should have just as much uh, claim to that conversation. But it's not going to happen. The fan vote is is too much of a landslide in favor. I'm just glad that Jaw's getting in instead of Luka. I think Jaw is more deserving this year than, than Luka Doncic, so I'm glad that it's going to go that way. There's even talk like. that Luka might not get voted in by the coaches. I don't know about that one. Uh, he deserves to make it, <laughs> just not be a starter. Hey, um, Inspired, I have a question for you guys. Inspired by, um, I don't know how to say his name in the chat, but Cassini Anion. Um, anyway, <laughs> false, but Monty as coach will play Booker more on the question of will uh, will Booker be a starter. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Monty is so competitive. CP3 is so competitive and Booker is so competitive. What do you think? Do you think Monty is going to play Booker and Paul as his guards to close the game? If it's cl- <laughs> And they always are clutch in the all-star game. Wouldn't that be epic to have those two as your starting as your guards throughout the rest of the fourth quarter, the last five minutes? That would be awesome. Um, I could I could see him doing something like that, but also you have guys like Steph and Jaw that you have to get in. So it just depends kind of on the game flow, I think. But I think we'll definitely get some some funny moments from from that trio for sure, at least at one point, you know. But uh, I'm just excited to see. You know, hopefully Booker and Paul are both healthy and, and active for the All Star games last year. Uh, Paul obviously didn't get to, to play in it, but uh, or Booker didn't get to play in it. Sorry. Um, so getting them together in the game will, will be a lot of fun. All right. Okay. Um, now we'll go to number four. True or false? The Suns will have at least one participant in the three-point shootout. Cody, we'll start with you. It's got to be true. Um, it should be Cam Johnson, but if not. They would absolutely invite Devin Booker. Um, Devin Booker has been, like I said before, he's always been pegged as a three-point shooter, even when his uh, three-point percentage wasn't quite as good as it is now. And uh, he's got that beautiful-looking stroke, and we know that he tends to be a guy that, at least in a practice situation, sometimes shoots even better than in games. So I, I, I hope that Cam Johnson is the one that makes it, or maybe both, but there's no way that the Suns, don't get someone invited. So that's, I'm going to lock that in as a true. The Cody Hunt lock of the day. All right. The lock uh, of the day. Dave, yeah. what's, yeah, what's I your think pick? You're most likely, yeah, I think it's most likely going to be Devin Booker in the three-point contest. He loves those things. He's already there for the weekend. I really hope it's Cam Johnson. And this is what um, I put in the, in the description of this video here is, will the Suns get five representatives on All-Star Weekend? So the Phoenix Suns, as a franchise, one of the winningest franchises in, in NBA history, have never had five representatives on All-Star Weekend. They have had three players and a coach before, actually all the way back to John McLeod in 1981. Three players and a coach, but at that point they didn't have the, the dunks or threes contests or anything like that. And then again in the SSOL se- um, seasons, they had as coach – Mike D'Antoni once because the best coach with the best record in each conference is the coach that goes plus three players, but they didn't have any other players in the, in the specialty contests on the weekend. So the sun's max representation on all-star weekend has always been four. That would be great. If Cam Johnson gets sent and DA gets in in his injury replacement, that'd be the most the sun's have ever sent at five. 
Um, so will they get at least one participant in the three-point contest? Yes, it's probably going to be Booker, but I really hope it's going to be uh, Cam Johnson. Just yeah. want to mention that we have uh, a spouse in the chat right now. Your spouse is in here. Let's put her on. If Cody Chris Paul has time. too many fourth quarter <laughs> minutes in the All-Star game, Cody. I mean, and, and she knows best of all that I'm always yelling at the TV, why is Chris Paul still in the game? Get him out of there. And uh, <laughs> So it's funny. Thank you, Rachel. It's great to meet you. Thank you for joining the chat. I really appreciate that. Um, look, here's the thing. There, um, um, sorry, Iverson Blogs asked, are they still doing that weird ending? The Kobe ending where it's the some combination of 24 and 8, maybe not again. But the Elam ending, they are. And the Elam ending is um, once the first fourth quarter starts, the first team to get to the leading team's score plus 24 wins. So it's a race to scoring to the finish. That ending is probably coming, almost certainly coming back because it's fun. It makes the All-Star game actually fun to watch where the players actually try really hard in the fourth quarter. And that is the big reason, I think, Monty Williams is going to play Chris Paul and Devin Booker because he knows those are the clutchest guys in the league. And then Jay Crowder is going to just show up on the end of the bench, and just come on in and make a three. Uh, but yeah, I think the Elam ending is probably back. I'm not sure about the Kobe variation of it. Yeah. And then for the three point shootout, I'm, I'm going to go, uh, not only are they going to get two participants with Booker and Cam, one of those two are going to win it and it'll be their third time in franchise history. They've had a winner. Devin Booker was obviously the other one who set the record. And uh, back in 2004, 2005, it was Quentin Richardson, uh, fan favorite. So um, I think, you know, Cam, he's one of those dudes that can just get hot at the right time and his shots like so perfect that the three-point shootout could just be his, you know, like what he's built for. Same with Booker. So I could see one of those two winning it. So I'll just go out on a limb and just, you know, hand them the trophy now. So, so says Jay is being difficult. He's saying, what about assistants? If the coach goes, his assistants go, okay, well, I'm only talking about coach and players. Um, but anyway, yes, uh, Monty has a lot of assistants this year. So the probably, Suns will probably still set the record if assistants count. Um, has there ever been two participants in from the same team in the three-point contest? Yes, Stephen Clay. And probably other teams as well. That's not a problem uh, for the for the NBA at all. Uh, okay, so you got one more for us, Zona? Yep. Uh, the final question for you guys, uh, moving away from the All-Star game, just true or false, the Suns should be afraid of Memphis or concerned of Memphis in, in a playoff series. We'll start with Cody on this one. That is an emphatic false. I am not afraid of that team whatsoever in a playoff setting. Uh, John Morant is as great as he is is a liability on defense. He's shown it throughout the regular season and the, and the small amount that he's appeared in, in the playoffs. Uh, last year in the playoffs, Mike Conley and, and and Donovan Mitchell just completely, you know, eviscerated the Grizzlies. Yeah, much the Grizzlies due won to, one game and yeah. then the Jazz ran the table. And, and and a lot of that was due to the fact they just couldn't stop anyone. And and John Morant has a lot has a long way to go on defense. Um, and when our two offensive engines are our guards and they have a guard that's just, you know, <clears throat> allowing all kinds of <clears throat> miscommunication and, and, and losing his assignment, I think there's no way they beat us. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a great player, but 
like he's so inconsistent. I don't know what to expect from him in a playoff setting. And then they've got guys like Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks, Steven Adams, so many guys without a lot of playoff experience. And, and sure you could, you could have said the same thing about the Suns last year, but we were at least led by Chris Paul and Jay Crowder and they don't have those guys like we do. Yeah. I'm trying to find, I'm struggling to find a, a comp to the argument that Memphis could, you know, challenge the best in the West um, in a playoff series, for example, and, and and by definition, saying that they could go all the way to the finals with a team like this, their best players are all 23 and under. So the thing is, the reason the Suns were able to get all the way to the finals last year wasn't um, strictly because if, if it was just Booker and Aiden and Mikel and Cam Johnson and all that as their leaders going into the playoffs last year and Chris Paul was unavailable, the Suns would not have made it to the finals. Chris Paul was the reason the Suns made it to the finals. Even though he'd never been there, he had lost enough in the finals to know how to drive the team and to and to manage the team's expectations and manage the, the downs as well as the ups. I remember Monty Williams, when the Suns got down 2-1 to one to the Lakers, um, Monty Williams said that they had some of their best off, you know, um, between game practices of the year because they had the right mindset to rebound from a loss. And um, I don't know that a team led by only 23-year-olds can do that. You could say Oklahoma City, but you know what? Oklahoma City had three future MVPs on that team when they made the conference finals as 23-year-olds. Um, and you, there's nobody that would that would say that Memphis has three future MVPs on their team. They have one maybe but not three. So I don't think the Memphis could win a series against the Suns because Chris Paul's Chris Paul, Devin Booker's Devin Booker, but it would be an exciting as hell series. I would love to see that series and I would probably lose about 10 pounds from stress, but I do believe that the Suns would pull that out. Yeah. And I think Cody made a good point just about the playoffs last year with against Utah. They kind of exposed uh, John and really took advantage of, you know, him really being their only shot creator consistently um, obviously Dylan Brooks is out right now and, and Desmond Bain has been, has, has been pretty awesome for them. So they have, uh, you know, a collection of good role players. They're young, they're hungry, but when it comes down to it, like how mature are they, how are they going to respond when they get, you know, knocked in the mouth by, you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, uh, in the clutch. And earlier this year, we saw the Suns beat them down by 20 plus, uh, without Deandre. And then, uh, I just think, uh, you know, at full strength, uh, these two teams matching up in the playoffs, like the Suns would be able to expose their flaws. They don't really have that second shot creator. And, and, you know, just pointing back to Jaws defense, Booker and, and Paul would just, you know, find ways to feast. Um, I could definitely see Memphis taking a game or two just because, you know, of how oh yeah you know, electric they are and like they can get it on those runs where they can really put teams away, but uh, I'm not sure how sustainable that is just yet. And if they had like a veteran, like a Chris Paul or Jay Crowder that could kind of guide them, I'd be, a little more um, scared of them. But right now, I just think they're a little too mature, probably a year or two away. But uh, make no mistake, they're going to be a problem for, for years to come, I think, in the West. The problem with these upstart teams is sustainability. And, um, uh, you know, I just want to tip my cap to the Suns are the ones who sustained the surprise run from a year ago to uh, doing it again this year so far, assuming no injuries, no, no bigger injuries. The Suns are also... One of the most negatively impacted teams in the league this year for injuries. And people don't want to give the credit to that because they don't think about it because the Suns just keep winning games. But 
Aiden and and Booker and uh, uh, Cam Johnson, those guys have all missed games this year. Anyway, um, the Hawks have fallen back. The Knicks have fallen back. Those were the other two surprise teams. Uh, one year wonders. I'm not. I hope Cleveland and Memphis are sustainable for their sakes. Uh, but you know, I got to see the sustainability before I give it credit. And you're right, Zona. I don't. I don't know that they'll have it. Cody, do you have any other comments on that? I mean, I don't want to make it seem like we're piling on on Memphis. Memphis is a great team. They're a fun team. But if we're asking about who I think can beat the Suns in the playoffs, it's a short list. It's maybe the Warriors, maybe the Nets, maybe the Bucks. That's pretty much it. Those are the only teams that I'm really worried about in the playoff series against the Suns. I, I feel very confident against every other. I, th- I think the Suns could beat anyone, but those three teams are the only ones that would make me worry. And you've got to have, like, the best of Clay again and the best of Draymond. We've been seeing the best of Draymond this year until he got hurt. We've seen the worst of Clay. Um, Clay will rebound. He'll get his shot back. And it's so different to shoot threes in a practice setting than it is to do in a game. And, and Clay's learning it, and he'll adjust. He'll get it. He'll get it worked out. I don't think he's going to be ever as dangerous as he was this year as dangerous as he was um, in his in the finals runs. I mean, you go all the way back to Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael Jordan, they had the three straight finals wins, and then he retires for reasons still on still entirely unknown. Um, goes and plays baseball for two for a year and a half, comes back, and he comes back for their that second year. They didn't make the finals again. They lost in the playoffs. Jordan was back for the second half of that season, but he wasn't himself. Even Jordan wasn't himself until his next full year where he had a full training camp, was fully healthy, ready to go. Then they went three more championships. So if Jordan can't come back after a two-year break and be his best self, I don't see how Clay Thompson can. And Jordan didn't even have injuries to worry about. So I'm, I'm, if Clay becomes his best self, Draymond's his best self, Steph's his best self, that's a really tough series to win but they're still not going to be as good as they were three years ago. And they certainly don't have Kevin Durant as their fourth. Yeah, definitely. I think right now as things stand full strength, uh, Bucks versus Suns is going to happen again. Like that's what it's looking like to me, at least. I think the Bucks at this point are, are the favorites until proven otherwise they deserve that um, after what Giannis did in the playoffs. And, but I could definitely see that matchup coming back. And I think the Suns are a little bit better prepared for that now. So if it does come down to that again, I'm, I'd, I'd be thrilled. But, yeah, I think, Dave, uh, you, hit, you hit it on the head with the Warriors. They're, they are pretty old. They're getting up there in, in age. And it's kind of like the you know the Suns have that perfect balance where they have the young core like the Grizzlies, but they also have the old veterans. Um, and it seems like some of the other teams are a little bit too top-heavy on one or the other. Like the Warriors do have some interesting young pieces, but I'm not sure they're ready to con- contribute in the playoffs like right away. Okay. All right. Next segment. Thank you for the true false. Uh, next segment, we're just going to ra- start wrapping up the show. We're always in, we're already an hour 10 in. Um, we're going to wrap up the show. We're going to preview the upcoming four games. We don't spend a lot of time on this. The Suns are hosting the Pacers um, on Saturday night. The the, Sun, the Pacers just beat the Warriors, the Draymond-less Warriors, the other night in overtime. And the Pacers weren't even starting anybody who was a full NBA starter. I mean, they literally... Malcolm Brogdon, DeMontis Sabonis, Miles Turner, um, Karis LeVert, and um, um, a little McConnell guy off the bench, and TJ Warren, of course, for his third year in a row, are out for the Pacers, and they still beat the Warriors without Dre, and then the Warriors barely beat Houston. 
Um, so the Suns host the Pacers tonight. The Pacers are on a high. They've won two big games. They also beat Utah, I think it was. But I still see the Suns winning this one. Then the Suns play the Jazz on a home-and-home this coming week. Monday, hosting the Jazz. Wednesday, I think it's Wednesday, at the Jazz. And then I think it's Friday where it's um, hosting the Wolves. The Wolves have been uh, really good this year for Wolves, right? They're they're 500. They're on the playoff edge. Um, what do you think they're going to do this year, this week, Zona, in those four games? What's their record? I'm going to go uh, three and one. I think their their one loss will come one of the Utah games. I think they're going to split that little mini series, especially with uh, DeAndre status kind of unknown. So. Um, you know, depending if he misses all four games, it could be a two and two stretch, just depending on how those Utah games go. But yeah, I'm going to stick with three and one here. Cody, four and zero, oh, baby. Listen, uh, Zona's right that if they're going to drop one, it's going to be the ja- one of the Jazz games. But here's a stat for you: Suns have a rest advantage in uh, in three of these games. They have a rest advantage against the Pacers. Um, or that one, that one might not be right. Uh, they have a rest advantage in the first Jazz game, though, and they have a rest advantage in the um, Timberwolves game. Both those, the other teams, going to be on the second night of back-to-back. So the only one I'm really that worried about is that second Jazz game um, in Utah is a tough place to play. But I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on our boys, and I think we're going four zero. The Jazz are in a real funk, man. They've lost six of seven or seven of eight, something like that. Uh, until they won just last night, I think, um, a game that they should have won because it was a really bad team as Detroit, I think. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to be Mr. Positive this week. I'm going to say 4-0. and So, Zona, you're the downer at 3-1. and I'm going to say 4-0 and because the Suns are shown, if they want, if they could win that road trip, I think they're, they're, they're on a roll. They're back on a roll. They won 18 straight earlier this year to set a franchise record. Um, I think they're in that mode, in that zone where they're going to keep winning. Um, and uh, I do believe Aiden will be back for at least one of the Jazz games, if not both. But that's I've no no foundation in that at all, other than my own personal belief. I just think he'll be back. Um, so that's, that's our predictions for the week. That's our show. I want you guys, please, to give me another minute of your time. First, two things. Two things, and then we're going to wrap it up. First thing is, it's the last day to vote for All-Stars. Get on Twitter, get on NBA.com, and make some votes. Um, and then the, the second thing is we've got bright side night coming. That is a huge thing for us. We're still just under 2000, uh, tickets donated. We need more. We're sending first responders and healthcare workers. I'm going to play a little ad for you. Then we're going to be back to, uh, wrap up the show. So, uh, just listen to the, to the little ad. Oh no, I didn't pull it up again though. Listen to me. All right. So, Zona, uh, tell us where we can find you while I'm looking for this thing. Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at ZonaHoops underscore. Um, I work at BrightSideOfTheSun.com and ZonaHoops.com. And, uh, Cody, where can we find you? Same place, Twitter, at CO underscore D Hunt. I occasionally write for uh, Zona here on on, on Zona Hoops. haven't done it in a little bit, but uh, hopefully we'll get getting some up pretty soon here. Make sure you follow Cody. He's he's a great. He's one of the Cody's my favorite awesome Suns Twitter Not followers. Enough people. I can vouch Not for that. So yeah, 100%. go give him a follow right now. All right, guys. Um, I'm going to play this ad. Please stay, and we'll still do a wrap up to say goodbye. You go. I just need one one more minute of your time. 
Being at a basketball game is such a rush. Screaming at the top of your lungs, high-fiving the person next to you, enjoying that last shot by the Suns. There's no better feeling than that instant camaraderie you get with thousands of other Suns fans at a stadium. We at brightsideofthesun.com and the Solar Panel Podcast are proud to give that game time experience to new fans every year. We call it Brightside Night. We donate game tickets to targeted groups around the Valley who've never had a live game experience. Over the past five years, that's been underprivileged kids. We've sent over 10,000. This year, we're focusing on healthcare heroes and first responders who've put their lives on the line to save others. Now we want to give back to them. Let's thank them with tickets to the February 16th Suns Rockets game. All it costs you is 11 bucks. What you get out of it is not only the satisfaction of helping somebody, but also of getting something for yourself. You're either in a raffle at the very least, or you get gifts, you get goods, you get tickets, whatever it is. You make a donation, you also get something out of it. Go to sons.com slash brightside. That's sons.com slash brightside. Brightside's one word. Make your donation now. It only takes a couple of minutes and you're not even going to miss the money. That's one of the proudest accomplishments of my life to do this, and I hope it's going to be one of yours too. That's contributing to Brightside Night is a huge deal. That's sons.com slash brightside. Yeah, folks, get in there. Get in there and make a, make a donation. Help us out. Uh, let us send uh, more people to that, to that game, more healthcare workers and, and first responders. Um, raffles, I talked about that. In the last two weeks, people donating as little as one ticket for $11. Um, I've given away a $100 gift card uh, to MBA doc, uh, the NBA store and two sets of lower-level tickets, 6th row and 11th row. Coming up, I've got a ticket matching uh, where SB Nation is going to be giving us money, uh, giving us uh, ticket matching um, so that any any donation you make, they're going to double Please go to sons.com slash brightside and make a donation. All right, Zona, give me a prediction, something that's going to happen this week that nobody's expecting right now. What do you think is going to happen with the Suns this week? Some kind of news item, something. Uh, Booker's going to drop 50 at some point this week. Uh, oh, there we go. It's going to happen. He's going to he's gonna hit it. He's just in that mode right now, and I don't see it slowing down, so why not? Cody. Tough put me on the spot. Uh, let me think for a second. I think that um, Cam Johnson is going to have a career high. I don't know if it's going to be – I mean, his career high is not that high. It's like in the low 20s, so I think 24. he's going to – yeah, I think he's going to get to 30 on some night, maybe against Utah. I'm going to say Utah. They're going to be leaving shooters open, and he's going to get to 30. Wow. Okay, so we got Booker 50, Cam Johnson 30. Uh, my prediction is DA returns for uh, at least one of the Utah games, and he averages uh, 20 and 10 in the, against Utah, either one game or two games. Uh, but he's going to show up. He's going to show out right before the uh, the – players, media, and coaches make their votes for the rest of the All-Star game. He's going to get back. All right, guys. Thank you very much. My name is Dave King. You can find me at Dave King NBA on Twitter. You can find my writing at brightsideofthesun.com. We'll see you all again soon. Thank you for joining us. Oh, and by the way, midweek podcasts, audio only. The last two weeks, I've had Jake Fisher from uh, Bleacher Report and then uh, Eric Pinker Pincus from Bleacher Report. And next week, 
I've got another insider lined up with, with trade deadline rumors about the Suns and the rest of the league. Watch our podcast feed. Subscribe to that, and you'll get that midweek. Real, real juicy rumors from around the league.